Hello and welcome to True Love No Shame, a podcast on recovering from Christian purity culture. I'm Danny Fankhauser, author of Shameless, How I Lost My Virginity and Kept My Faith. You can learn more at shamelessthebook.com. I'm here today with Lori Davis Edwards, founder of The Worthy One, a community to empower women in their love lives, and author of Love at First Click. So Laura, just to get started, so you're, you're actually just about to launch The Worthy One, and uh, and your background before this was more of an online dating consultant. Do you want to talk to us about it, kind of how the, how the change happened? Sure. Yeah. So we are launching The Worthy One soon. The interesting thing is I feel like I've been doing it for the last like 18 months, <laughs> just mm-hmm. under the eFlirt name. Um, so eFlirt is my original brand. You can still find it at eflirtexpert.com. And, you know, what I did under that brand is we helped people date online, write their profiles, manage their accounts, even for them. Back in the day, we used to write their messages for them, search for them, and really help them make decisions with their love lives because that can feel really overwhelming sometimes when you're online. But what I found through that work is that the really great thing is that half of our clients were in relationships after working with us. And while that's so exciting, I I started to get kind of curious about the other 50, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. what's happening with all these other people. And I realized that the ones who had moved towards a relationship, they really were the type of people who used the coaching that was offered to them that we offered in all of our packages and they use the coaching to challenge themselves, to challenge their beliefs that they held and uh, about dating and love and what that could mean for them and move through their fears. And so they moved to a place of worthiness when it came to love. And that's what the coaching did for them. And so I started to realize that actually none of this doing everything for them really mattered at all, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. the messages we wrote that created the change. Like, sure, it did end up that they met the right person through that message, right? But it wasn't that that is what put them in the place of being able to receive the right relationship. That was all the coaching. So about 18 months ago, we stopped doing everything for you and instead just started coaching my clients deeper through the things that were blocking them from finding love. And that is now what the worthy one is. The worthy one, really, we focus on women, helping women, because there are so many stories that we tell ourselves. And a big one is that we're not good enough, right? We're not skinny enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not smart enough. We second guess ourselves all the time. And instead, we should really be asking ourselves, who is worthy of you, right? Who is worthy of you, not who are you worthy of? So what we do at The Worthy One is coach women deeply through releasing these stories and these fears that we hold on to that we don't want to feel in our whole lives, not just in our, in our love lives. Mm-hmm. This reminds me so much of uh, Brene Brown's TED Talk on vulnerability and kind of this idea that people's experiences are defined by their core beliefs about the world. Yes, exactly. 
And how appropriate that we are here to talk about a core belief, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, and the other thing I love is, is in actually in your TED talk on digital dating, you talk about how you were really inspired by your mother's choice uh, about who to marry. And, and that kind of led to you doing this kind of work. So that was kind of like, I guess, the implicit message that you learned from your mom. But were there any sort of explicit messages or, or what did they tell you about um, dating intimacy growing up? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is I was raised Catholic and my mom was was Catholic as well, obviously. And uh, especially in, you know, a God-fearing woman, like you would just say yes, especially back then in the early 80s to mm-hmm. the, the man who was going to be the dad to your child, you would just marry them. And he asked her to get married and she said no, because she didn't love him. And so the biggest message I heard from my mom was that you choose love, right? And you honor love. And that is way more important to lead with. And that's what she taught me. She taught me to kind of lead my whole life with love, which is part of what's led me to here in my career, right? But, you know, the interesting thing is that my whole life, I got to see my mom fall in love because she did remarry or not remarry. She married the man who I called dad around the time I was six. And Mm -hmm. it was so beautiful to watch that happen to watch the way he treated her, to watch the way that she looked at him, right? All those little moments that we're really taught these days from like fairy tales, or we have this image in our head of what it's like. Like I got to see that firsthand. I also got to see, you know, their little tiffs and conflicts firsthand and recognize that love isn't perfect. No relationship is perfect. So that's something that I learned really early on too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What led them to this decision to marry? You know, I think that like seeing the progression of their relationship was something that was really special for me and what my place was within their relationship too. And, and how he treated me like throughout the journey and, and the closeness that we, that we got in that they're coming together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause you know, I guess for a lot of people, you see like the the five years in and on version of of your parents' relationship, yeah. which is which is different than that the falling in love kind of honeymoon phase. So that's so fascinating that you got to see that. Yeah, it was really special. Yeah. So with your first brand, Eflirt, you really focused on online dating, and and I think that's it's gotten to be fairly common now, but I, I think over the past 10 years was, was kind of new and different and probably challenging for a lot of people. So as, as being an expert on it now, what do you, what do you think are some of like the misconceptions or, or the most important things for people to know when they're first starting out? Well, speaking of choice, you're kind of forced to make all these decisions <laughs> online. Um, mm-hmm. And it can seem really exciting at the beginning And then what I see is a lot of people get really disheartened by it. And part of it is because we get too choosy, you know? I think one of the big things that I took away from my mom's story is that there is no perfect, right? But yet in a world where we can literally click boxes and say how tall we want someone to be and how, you know, like what 
level of education we want them to have and all of these things, it, it can start to feel like we're like building our perfect person. But we mm-hmm. don't know what that perfect person is going to look like until you meet that person, right? So, so I think that's a really important thing to consider because almost every single, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for more than 150 marriages at this point. Mm-hmm. And almost every single one of those couples, it was not the person that they had imagined in their head. It was something different. It was something that ended up being greater, right? But when we hold this idea of what perfect is like, and we feel like we need to match that, the greater can't happen. We hold ourselves back. So as you're going through, if you're if you're online dating, and I, I still teach all of my clients about online dating because it's just the way dating happens today. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but as you're going through and choosing, remember that first, all you're asking when you look at someone's profile is when you see all the faces on the screen, like, are they worth a click? And then when you click in and you're reading their profile and looking at their photos, the next question is, are they worth a cocktail or a coffee. I like to say a margarita because it reminds us also that dating really should be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I think, I think so often when we see someone's profile, we think, is that the one? And then we're judging them mm-hmm. against this idea we have um, when really you haven't even said hello to that person yet. So how could you ever possibly know if they're the one or not? First, you have to meet them. (laughs) And even then, even after your first date, the question is more like, you know, did we have a connection? Not, is this the one for me? And I think this is especially true when you're so marriage-minded. Like I know most of your listeners are. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for us to think about that, like big picture goal, right? But in order to get there, we need to build a relationship with someone. And we're not necessarily going to know in that first moment or two, that first message or two, that first date or two. Yeah, I can relate to that so much. I find that I'm a much more superficial person when I'm online dating than I am in real life. It's, you know, I I don't really have a type in real life. I'm attracted to all kinds of different people. But when I'm online dating, it's like, oh, well, I want them to be this tall or I, you know, I want this or that. Um, And you know, in a way, it's not your fault because... The way that online dating is set up right now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's no better way to do it that they found than than is currently. But you're forced to make those decisions, right? You have yeah. to, like, how tall you have to, you know, you know, you have to choose these filters. But I would also encourage you to only choose the filters that are the most important to you. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you can do that is as you're going through your filters, you can ask yourself, is this important to me? Is education important to me? Is height important to me? Right? So that way, at least when you're choosing the filter, you have in your mind the idea that if it's not that important to you, why only click someone who has masters or above, for example, you know? Right. So it, it helps you kind of frame the choices you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of gets into my next question about how, you know, in church, you're kind of taught like you should, uh, you should only date someone who has the same religion as you. And so, and that, and for me, I mean, that really limited my prospects. It was just like, okay, well, you know, of all the, like the men in the world, like I'm limited to like people who identify with this, but at the same time, there's something to be said for 
for shared values. So what do you find in terms of the relationships that you've seen work? Do they need to know upfront if this person kind of has these shared values? You know, I do find that that while in my clients who are married, you know, most of them, it's not the exact picture. The values are the thing that do matter. The values are the things that do sync and work. That said, like, is religion important to you in a partner? Some people would answer that like, yes, they absolutely need to practice my religion and, and go to church with me every week and be involved. And another is, you know, some other people might say like, well, it's important that, that my partner support me in my religion, but not necessarily be there every step of the way with me. So it depends on how you answer that question on whether or not someone needs to practice your exact faith. Maybe it's important to you that someone have faith and that they be Christian, but not necessarily, you know, whatever your denomination is, for example. So I would encourage you to do like a little bit of soul searching around that. What might that look like for you? And a really interesting story to share actually is my own brother. Hopefully he won't mind me sharing this, (laughs) but my brother, he wasn't particularly religious growing up. Like we all went to eight years of Catholic school. And so he grew up Catholic, but he wasn't like very involved, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, he was just kind of as involved as needed to be. And then when we got older, you know, he like wouldn't come to mass with us sometimes even on holidays, which is fine. It's his choice. Right. But he met an amazing woman who is really Christian. And now so is he. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it kind of like reconnected him to the church and they are really involved. She volunteers a lot. And so does he, and they did pre-Cana together. And, um, and it's, it's been really beautiful for me to watch this, like my brother become so connected to God again. So um, obviously that's not the norm and you don't want to date with it in mind that they can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but the possibility is there. It's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Sometimes seeing someone else um, care so deeply about something can bring that out in you as well. Yeah. But, but likewise, like I am um, Christian and um, my husband grew up Christian too. And he doesn't really practice now and I've reconnected with the church and he hasn't, but that's okay for me. He supports me in it. And that's really what's most important to me. He supports, like we will raise our daughter, um, Christian and we have, um, we have already mm-hmm. started. She's six months old. Um, but it doesn't bother me that he doesn't go to church with me every week. That's, that's his choice. And my choice is to go. And he, like wants to hear about what the sermons were about and listen to my stories. Um, and he'll go with me on holidays. So for me, that's enough. Mm-hmm. But again, it's choice. Totally. Yeah. I, I have some friends who are Christian who, you know, it, it is really important that, um, that someone be able to uh, relate to them about those things. For me personally, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I can't see myself, dating an atheist who, who, who thinks that like believing in God is dumb or something like that. But, but I'm okay with someone not sharing the exact same beliefs. Yeah. 
So I, I think another piece that was, um, that was difficult for me coming from kind of like the, the very conservative background to then kind of going out and, and starting to date, um, uh, was around flirting and, it's actually hard, especially when you're kind of taught, you know, you're, you're supposed to preserve, um, preserve as much as you can, I guess, for your, for your future husband. It's, and then it's kind of like, well, okay, if I'm not gonna, um, if I can't see this person as being my potential spouse, then I'm not even going to flirt with them. And and that's kind of like the attitude I had. And, and so then I think later in life, it was like, oh, like, how, how do I go from like, I see this person as attractive and and we're friends, but how do, how do I get it to the place where, um, where I show them I'm actually interested? Yeah. And here's the thing. Remember what I said earlier, dating's supposed to be fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I, I think that so often when we're really trying to, I, I mean, really what dating is, is we're playing matchmaker to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so you can start to ask yourself these questions like, are they the one, is this the person God intended me to be with? Um, and then it, it starts to take this heavy tone. Right. And so I can see how you would feel like, well, I'm just not going to flirt with them because why would I do that if I don't see the possibility here? And then later you do. And you're like, Oh no, <laughs> now how do I, yeah. now how do I get out of the friend zone? Right. Uh-huh. Um, but just because you're flirting with someone doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, right? <laughs> it's like dating is supposed to be fun. So is flirting. Flirting is part of the process. And you can flirt with your friends too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't even your your um, you know, it doesn't necessarily flirting, I think we think of in terms of like um moving a relationship forward. But sometimes we just flirt to be kind of coy or to be like, to be, to tease someone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's flirting too. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I think that's, uh, you know, if you find yourself like, like you are where you're kind of like, now, how do I do it? <laughs> um, so there is a, um, there's a flirting formula, um, mm. that my husband has created. So my husband is a, a dating coach too. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, his company is called the professional wingman. And so he is, while my like original expertise is more in online dating, his original expertise is more in offline, right? Like mm-hmm. in person and what, what that dynamic is like. Um, and the flirting formula that he always shares is, uh, complimenting plus teasing to the power of touching. <laughs> mm. Um, and the reason why it's to the power of touching is because just like any, you know, uh, any equation like that, when it's to the power of something, when you do that, it elevates it so much more. Right. Um, but if you're just starting out, don't worry about the touching it, complimenting plus teasing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's where you can start with, with flirting and what that looks like. Um, and that's something, like I said, that you might also do with a friend. So it's a really easy transition. Um, touching is definitely more directly flirting. Um, but I don't mean, you know, I mean, touching, like maybe you're laughing and you touch their elbow or, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like little, little tiny touches like that. Hugging someone is touching them. Um, 
So any little moments like that that you can create makes all of that complimenting and teasing together just so much more elevated and clearer for them that you're actually flirting too. Right. Because that's the other thing is that sometimes um, we want to make sure that the other person knows we're flirting, right? Yeah. Um, And so uh, touching is the thing that definitely is the biggest signal to someone. Totally. Yeah. And I I think, you know, just getting in in the habit of, of practicing those behaviors makes it so much easier when you do meet someone you really like and you're terrified. (laughs) I agree. Cause if you're not practicing it, then, then when you do feel like you meet someone you're like, you're like, how do I take this from platonic to not like, how do I signal to them that I'm interested? Um, so these are important skills to play around with now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I like that you mentioned, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at your clients and, and who's in a relationship and who's, who's not. And because I think the, the goal with a lot of people in dating is, is that that's what they want is they want, um, they're moving towards this goal. Um, but also what we were saying about how dating is supposed to be fun. Um, I guess my question is, you know, are, are we trying to make it too efficient, especially with online dating? And do you find that, um, do you find that it's good for people to kind of go on a couple of dates and be like, okay, is this the right person? Is this the right person? Or do you kind of push them to, to really enjoy the process a bit more than that? Yeah, I know. I think that it's, hmm. so it's very unlikely if you're dating, if you haven't dated before, very unlikely that the very first person you date is going to be your lifelong partner. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's much more common for you to date a couple of people to have a few relationships, even, even if they're short, like one to four month relationships or nine month relationship, right? It's very unlikely that the first person you commit to is going to be your wife or husband. Um, so, so it's, it is important to see what that person is like. What dating is, <laughs> is the process of you deepening a relationship with someone so that you can understand if they're good for you in the long run. Um, and usually there will be some, some moments along the way where you're like, huh, I'm not sure about that, you know? Um, And I think that when you're very marriage minded, you see those moments and you're like, oh, that means it's over. That Mm -hmm. means like this must not be the right person for me. But the truth is that um, our brains have what's called a negativity bias. Our brains are actually programmed to see the negative things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so almost every person (laughs) I have ever helped somewhere between like date three and date five or a couple months in will come to me and say, I'm just not sure about this thing. Right. I'm just not sure about that. Or there's this and there's that and there's this, but I also like this and that and this. Right. Um, and that's our negativity bias kicking in. So, um, get curious 
about whatever that thing is, rather than just saying, oh, not for me and leaving, um, get curious about it. Because oftentimes what I find is that sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's like, well, that's not what I imagined in my head. Could I really live with someone like that? Could I really marry someone like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it may even be something that you're kind of blowing up to be bigger than it's meant to be, right? Like they, I don't know. I'm just not sure I can get over the fact that they chew with their mouth open. <laughs> you would, you would like not even believe the things that I've heard. So of course, if it's a values thing, that's, that's a little different, right? It's something to consider, but even still, I would encourage you to get curious about that. Is it just that it's not matching the picture of what you imagined in your mind? Um, and instead start to ask yourself like, why that is, why, why does it, why do you think that way? Um, because it can really change everything for you. And one, and the reason why I keep saying the picture, the, the picture in our mind is that, um, the pictures in our mind and the words that we say are what creates our reality. So if you've been telling yourself and imagining that, um, you will like, it's going to be really hard for you to meet someone, Mm -hmm. right? Then that's what your reality is going to become. So check in with the words that you're telling yourself in those pictures that you're creating of what life is going to be like, or what life is like, um, because it can change your path it can totally change your path. That's a lot of the work that we do over at The Worthy One. And what I see is when people make those shifts, literally, and, and also another one I hear is it's going to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, people start to work out like, well, if I were to date someone for this amount of time, first it's going to take me this amount of time to meet them. Then it's probably going to take me this amount of time to date them. Then I'm going to like, we're probably going to be engaged for a year and then we're going to get married. And then it's, we're probably going to want to have a year before we have a baby. And so, Oh my God, I'm going to, it's going to take me all this time. You know, <laughs> I've done that exact um, like thing in my yes. head. <laughs> it's so common. Um, but, but here's the thing. Sometimes, uh, I have a program for women called abundant love and, um, last, uh, the last group that I did, it's a group coaching program. Um, 20, 40% of the women by the end of the program were in committed relationships and it's two months long. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. They were in relationships after two months, 20% of them met their significant other after two weeks. Wow. It does not take a lot of time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't want it to, if you change those words, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not so hard. It's not all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really why that this like the most important thing is for you to take a look at what you're saying about dating and love and what images you're creating around that and create the reality you want. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our expectations can really, uh, can really get in the way. So one thing that actually surprised me a lot when I, you know, when I started online dating was also kind of when I, when I started being open to date people who weren't also Christians or from church or or that kind of thing. And 
one of my fears going in was like, oh, well, if I go on a date with a non-Christian, they're going to want to like sleep with me on the first date. And like, I, mm-hmm. I just like all my friends were Christian. So I really didn't know what like the etiquette or the expectations were. And so I was really surprised to find that that wasn't the case at all. And, and that, you know, there was a lot of room for, you know, everyone to say what, you know, what they wanted to do and, and that yeah. there wasn't, you know, a right way. So I guess, you know, what do you find? Do you find that there are any norms um, around that in today's kind of dating culture? And and then secondly, how does someone um, decide what's right for them and then also communicate that? Hmm. Um, I don't really find that there are norms. I think there are all these ideas that there are norms. Mm-hmm. Like You'll hear people say all the time, like the three date rule, like, you know, by the third date, like, if I don't have sex with him, he's not going to see me anymore. None of that stuff is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, literally I've worked with thousands of people and I can tell you that they've all kind of been on a different timeline as far as mm-hmm. sex and intimacy is concerned. Um, and it was no indication of how fast or slow they went that they ended up married either. Um, and so, uh, but I do think it's important for you to decide what's right for you. And to be honest, um, it's something that you can think about now, but until you meet the next person who you're considering having sex with or being intimate with in any way, you won't know really what that looks like. Um, because it's going to be about the person and the connection that you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, And when you create these hard and fast rules, like the third date or three months or however long it is, um, that you might meet someone and that might change. You might feel like I need more time. Um, and that's okay. But what is most important is that you communicate to the other person, um, what you're comfortable with. It's okay to tell someone you want to go slow. It's okay to not be ready when they're ready. Um, something I've been learning, (laughs) learning a lot about over the last, uh, 18 months is men. Uh Uh, Even though I focus on women now, um, I've always worked with women and men, but, um, last year, my husband and I created a program together called fearless dating. And we, um, we help men only in this program. And so imagine it's a group of men and my husband is leading it. And then I'm like kind of co-leading it. And, uh, and so I just have heard so much real talk from men about what they're really thinking and wondering and questioning. And, um, and I've noticed a lot about men and sex, Mm -hmm. um, especially men who, who aren't very religious and, um, but, but all these men that we work with are long-term relationship minded. Like they all want, um, to be in a relationship. And the one thing that I've learned and my husband will tell you too, is that like men, they're kind of okay with having sex whenever. Um, Uh (laughs) so, so it's most likely that as a woman, you're, they're probably going to be ready before you are. Um, and one thing that's really important if you're going to, if you're going to say you're not ready, because probably you're not going to be when he is, um, that, that he hears 
no, not now, not no, never. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're having the conversation and you're just like, you know, I just really need to take things slow. I'm not there yet. Sometimes he can hear no, never. So you need to follow that up with saying, um, but I'm sure that when we do, it's going to be amazing. You need to like give him the hope. Let him see that you are thinking about that too, even though you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, before we close, is there, is there one last takeaway that you think a, uh, a former conservative should know about, um, dating online or offline? I mean, I think the biggest thing is that this should all be fun. Like this, this process of finding a partner should be so joyful to you. And I know that it can get stressful and I know that it can feel so hard. Right. Um, but, but where is the joy for you? What feels joyful? Um, and you can even choose the way that you meet people. Um, you can start as simple as that. Like, um, you know, it's funny because I spent almost a decade teaching people how to date online. And, um, and these days I would tell you that online is, might not be the first place that you want to go. Um, and the reason is because there's so many different ways you can meet someone. You can meet them at church. You can meet them at an event. You can meet them through friends. You can meet them at, you know, at a bar, <laughs> like you can mm -hmm. meet them at the grocery store and short, you can meet them at singles events and sure you can meet them online. Right. Um, but sometimes online isn't, is can be the most intimidating place to go. Um, and in order to create momentum in your dating life, the, that thing that's going to move you towards the right person, you need to start with at the place that's going to feel the best. So where feels the best? Where would feel the most joyful for you to start dating? Maybe it is church, right? Maybe you're open to other ways of meeting someone, but starting a church seems like it could just be the easiest right now, the most joyful right now. So do that, do that one thing. Um, and then probably at some point you're going to start to feel like, well, I've met a lot of these people. <laughs> so now where, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can expand, right? But now your feet are wet. Now you've started to create this movement so that you can get into momentum so that you meet the right person. Yeah. Yeah, that's I like that. It's the idea of, of practice and not, you know, waiting until you meet the perfect person and then suddenly right. like trying to trying to make a move. Thank you so much for joining me, Lori, and thank you all for listening to True Love No Shame. Be sure to check out theworthyone.com and we'll be back soon with more. <laughs>